Well, hello. Welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. It is officially almost spring training, but more importantly, divisional preview season. Actually, a game was played today. The Dodgers and Padres played today, but technically hasn't started for everyone yet. But welcome back, everyone. This is it's the start of the divisional previews. I, I promised last week the first one would come out on Friday. I said it was going to be the AL Central. Turns out it is. It is Friday, if you're listening to this, on the day it comes out. And it's the AL Central preview because I determined that the AL Central is likely not going to have much more free agent buzz. Like, I don't really see any of these teams going after any of the big remaining free agents. Uh, It's funny, today, Gio Urshela signed with the Tigers, and he's not one of the big free agents, but that's actually, like, a a somewhat important signing, I think, for them. Uh, Thankfully, they did it today, so that I could work it into this preview and not have to kick myself a little bit. But if Gio Urshela signed tomorrow... And I didn't get to include him in this episode. That would have been fine. But if the Tigers go out and sign like Blake Snell next, and uh, that would make me kind of mad. But how these are going to work, and I want to get into it because these are going to be these are going to be longer. Well, probably. But how these are going to work? How I did them last year? What's different? Uh, not a whole lot is different. But how I did them last year essentially just ran through each team individually for 15, 20 minutes and talked about what is important for them to win this year, what their lineup is going to look like heading into opening day. They're starting five, their, their bullpen, any impact prospects. Uh, this year I, I did compile some cheat sheets for myself that I will tweet out that includes their projections, the free agents they added, the trades they made, uh, the, the lineups and the, the fan war projections for each of their players. And then I'm, I'm going to do an X factor for each team this year. Uh, and then also just ask some questions into the void. Uh, I call them key questions. I have about, I think, four for each team here. Just questions that I have right now that will likely be addressed in the season, but I think they're important to ask. Just, in, just ask them into the ether. Put them out there. Uh, the X factor, too. The X factor is new. And I'm going strictly by definition here. So if you look up X factor in the dictionary, definitions from Oxford languages, the first definition is a noteworthy special talent or quality, which that's not the one I'm using, which that would just kind of be the best player on each team, which sometimes the X factor, as you'll see, is is sometimes the best player on the team. But the definition I'm going for with each team's X factor for the 2024 season is Quote, a variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome, which leaves a lot of room for interpretation. So I think you'll see in, in my X factors, some of them are just, you know, some of their better players on these teams, because sometimes that's just those people have to perform to be good. But I think the variable for kind of the unknown that could have the most significant impact on the outcome of this team's season uh, and whether that is a good or bad impact might depend on them, but we'll see. We'll see. And I'm going to go in order from uh, projected last place team to projected first place team using uh, the baseball prospectus Picota rankings and fan graphs 
uh, odds as well for division. I kind of, I have both of those on my sheet here and there's usually, I mean, they differ by a few wins for some teams. Some teams there, there's a consensus between both of those systems, Zips and uh, Pakoda. And you'll see, I do, I'm going to do the, the Zips win loss projections and the playoff odds uh, and go from my uh, yeah, bottom up and then give my picks to my one through five, who's going to win the division, where is everyone going to place, and then going to give my over-under win total picks uh, based on DraftKings odds. I have the over-unders for these teams in front of me, and I will pick after each, uh, after I highlight each team, I will pick and go into their over-under as I did last year. And a reminder, I went about 500 in those picks last year, so if you want to even your money or maybe make money, put all of your money, life savings, into these bets. I guarantee you the outcome will be good. I'm just kidding. Do not do that. The only time I will tolerate betting on baseball is futures picks. Betting on like individual games and team lines seems like absolute chaos for baseball, and I stay away from it. Uh, despite having lots of knowledge, I feel like that is worse. I just feel, I feel like gambling on baseball is gambling on baseball. I feel like betting on baseball is gambling. But... Let's get into it. The team we're starting for. The the first team on the on the divisional preview Chaos Ball podcast for 2024. Get excited. It's the Southside Chicago White Sox. That is the first team we're going to talk about. That is the team projected to get last place by honestly uh, honestly it's not like a comfortable last place. They I'm surprised at the projections for this team if I'm being honest. But I don't think projections factor in potential trades. So I think that's somewhat a pitfall of projections. But projections also, they're not they're not gospel. I talk about projections all the time. And it'll be projections, projections, projections. Because uh, I like looking at projections for season previews such as this. But they're not perfect. They're more of just kind of a fun little, this is what the computers think is a reasonable outcome for this player or team, but obviously they're never going to get it 100% right 100% of the time. Projections are wrong often, especially in a sport like baseball. Uh, And we even, we have stats to show you how wrong projections are and how luck based this stupid, silly little game we love is. But the Chicago White Sox last season, they were uh, bad. They were very bad last year. They didn't get last in the division. However, they took fourth with a 61 and 101 record, they were fourth place in this division. This team has just been on a downward trajectory. I was so off on them last year going into the year. I wasn't going to buy it again of like the young core is going to is going to do the thing, you know? No. I don't, I think it's over for this core. I think it they have to dismantle it this season. I don't see I don't see much reason not to. Because even even last year, like you had encouraging seasons from Luis Robert. I think you had a, a somewhat encouraging year from Andrew Vaughn. He was kind of league average. You hope he can build on that. Uh, but otherwise, like Tim Anderson was a terrible player. Yohan Mankato didn't really improve at all. Uh, Ilo Jimenez was his usual self. He was on the injured list for a third of the year and then was pretty middling at the plate the rest of the year. Jake Berger, they traded, uh, like Dylan Cease had after a Cy Young type year, he had a, he had a 
down here. He kind of came back to earth. Uh, he, I think he pitched better last year than his peripherals said. I mean, they they just don't have they don't have much to look forward to. They've, they've dismantled the, their bullpen since last year. Like Aaron Bummer is gone. Ronaldo Lopez is gone. Kanan Middleton is gone. Kendall Graveman is gone. Gregory Santos is gone. Those are their five relievers, best relievers, and most used relievers last year. They're all gone. Uh, besides Jesse Schultens, he he is not gone. But there's not much to talk about with this team, I'll be honest. Uh, they are projected, according to Pakoda, 66 and 96, and Zips, 67 and 95. And I think those are, I think that is generous to project that onto this team. I don't see much good in this team at all. Uh, I I have to be honest. I their their farm their farm system ranking according to Keith Law is tenth. Like I think they have good prospects. I just think they're going to have to trade Luis Robert and Dylan Cease this year if they're trying to be a seriously good team in four to five years. You Dylan Cease I think is a must. I think Dylan Cease has to be traded. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you necessarily need to trade Luis Robert. I mean, he's still, I think he's still probably young enough where you could convince yourself, like, if we have a new core come up in in a couple years, we have our prospects make their debuts, and Luis Robert, I think, is signed until, I think there's options until like 2028 or something. Uh you could be, you could be like we could be competitive by 2027, 2028, and his last year of his deal potentially. But that doesn't make as much sense to me as just getting as much as you can for him at the deadline. I think they should have done it last year. I don't know why they didn't do it. Maybe the market wasn't hot for him. Uh, but I think there would be a, an abundance of teams lining up to trade for Luis Robert. Uh, but. Who did, did they add anyone this year that's going to help them win games? I mean, they signed Eric Fetty from the KBO. He's a former big leaguer. That was their biggest signing this year, and he's probably going to be throw a lot of innings for them in the rotation. They signed Martin Maldonado, Paul DeYoung, Chris Flexen, Tim Hill. They signed a bunch of minor league deals. Mike Moustakis, Brett Phillips, Kevin Pillar, uh, Dominic Leone, Corey Knebel. Like These are his names. Like These are not... Like in the year 2024, are these guys who are going to help you win baseball games? Uh, not necessarily, but are they going to play baseball? Yes. Uh, and then they lost, like, they lost Grandall. They lost Liam Hendricks. They lost Trace Thompson. Tim Anderson is finally gone. Like, awful season last year, but probably one of the, I don't know. I feel like uh, last last few years you think White Sox, you think T.A., uh, Louis Garcia, they lost. Mike Clevenger, like they, they traded again. Aaron Bummer, they traded Gregory Santos, they traded Johan Ramirez, and they got so many players back from the Braves in those deals. I just don't, I don't know, man. I just don't see. I just don't see it. I don't see how this team can live up to the projection of sixty-six wins, given that they might trade Dylan Cease. My speaking of Dylan Cease, my 2024 X factor for the Chicago White Sox is the Dylan Cease trade haul. I think it just it's going to it's going to determine the next couple of years for them. If 
they can trade Dylan Cease and platform themselves with some prospects for the for the future. That would be great. They just gotta hope Dylan Cease is the Dylan Cease of 2022 to start the year, so they then can trade him and get a decent haul. Because if he comes out flailing, I I don't know. I don't I don't know what his market is. I mean, there's two starting pitchers who are free agents right now who are unsigned, ready to pitch. And no one's signing them, so I, I don't I don't know what the, I I don't know what the market is for anyone anymore. I, I'll I I will be honest. I I don't even want to keep talking about this team, but I did also highlight the top uh, the the pitcher with the most projected F four, which for all teams is going to be a starter. It's inherently flawed to look at F four if you're going to look at relievers, um, but. You know, I'm a flawed man. Uh, and then Luis Robert is Luis Robert and Dylan Cease. Those are the top two projected F4 players this year. Luis Robert's projected for four F4. Dylan Cease is projected for 3.1. I just don't think Dylan Cease is going to be on this team. And I don't think Luis Robert, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be on this team either. I feel like they should just trade him. But I don't have a whole lot else to say about the Chicago White Sox. I think they're going to be bad. Their bullpen is a travesty. Like John John Brebia is locked into the closer role, according to Fangrass right now, which is terrible. Uh, they do have like like Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet are interesting to me. Those pitchers are interesting, and I think could. I don't know. I just I I don't think they're gonna make them an insanely good team, like a good team at all. If they have, you know, 90th percentile of their projections year. Uh, but Garrett Crochet is projected to be their most valuable relief pitcher. I think he might start a decent amount this year, too. It's probably going into his projections. Fangoffs did not project Perlander Baroa to be on the opening day bullpen, but I'd find it very hard to believe if he's not. And I think he could end up having a really big year, as I've talked about. Like they're gonna give a lot of innings in the bullpen this year to John Brebia, Jesse Chavez, Tim Hill, Tuki Toy Saint, who might end Tuki Toussaint, uh, like Jimmy Lambert. These are just these are just fake names at this point in this in this bullpen. It's bleak. It's bleak for the White Sox. I. I'm just gonna move on to the questions. What are the questions of this team? What do I want to ask? How much do we see of prospects Jake Eater and or Nick Nestrini in the rotation this year? So if you're a White Sox fan listening to this, if you are a blank fan listening to this and you're like, why should I watch the White Sox this year? They do have some interesting prospects that are close to being there and will be ready. Nick Nestrini and Jake Eater, both pitching prospects, uh, I think like fourth and fifth in their org right now. They seem interesting. I would find it very hard to believe if they don't make their debuts this year, especially with potentially the departure of Dylan Cease and just the weakness in the bullpen and the rotation here. Uh, I think those two guys are are definitely ones to look out for. Uh, they have other interesting prospects like Brian Ramos and Edgar Caro, catcher and third baseman. Uh, I think those guys could also make their debuts this year. It also kind of depends like on if they trade more guys, if they create room. I just, uh, I, I I feel like if things go like I think they will, we'll see those prospects. 
And then the one guy I think we all want to see is Colson Montgomery. That was my next question. Like, how much do we see of Colson Montgomery? Colson Montgomery is their top prospect. Uh, he's a shortstop, but I don't. I think there's a there's a consensus I've gathered among scouts that Colson Montgomery is a little big right now for shortstop, and he will likely move to third base, which is not an issue to me. That happens all the time. Uh, I think the where his biggest skill set lies is a really good hit tool, and I think there's a lot of projectable pa- like game power onto his body. Like he's 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 a big guy. I think he's like six two, six three, two hundred pounds. Um, so I think like I guess kind of Corey Seager ish comps. Like, but I don't I don't think he's gonna become Corey Seager, and I think he'll probably move to third. But he is someone I would totally look forward to watching if they called him up. I think he's projected to play. Let's see. He's projected for 231 plate appearances according to the depth charts on fan graphs, which means, like, I don't know. What is that? All-star game call-up? Like, the last half of the, the last quarter of the year, give or take, uh, because they have Paul DeYoung at shortstop and Yohan Makata at third, and I don't think Yohan Makata is a bad player at third. I don't think Paul DeYoung is a bad player. I feel like they're perfectly okay. I just, why not call up Colson if he's lighting it up and double or triple A? So my third question for this team, do they trade Eloy? Do they trade Luis Robert, Benintendi, Moncada, any of their higher paid veterans? I just, they're in a weird spot. They're in a spot where they have this money locked up to these guys who I don't think are that good. I think best case scenario, I don't think this lineup could be that bad. I mean, the one through five is Benintendi, Vaughn, Monk, or uh, Robert, Moncada and Eloy. And I don't really think that's a terrible one through five. It's not that good. But best case scenario, if all of those guys hit their best case scenario this year, that's not a bad one through five at all. It's just that's a lot to be, you know, relying on their best case scenarios. So all in all, I think this team's really bad. I don't want to get hung up on talking about these teams because my next question for them is, what's the plan exactly? I can kind of see something here. Like, they have they have some good prospects. I just think they need to pile more on this year. I think, I think it's time to finally give up this core. I think it was time last year. I think they should have sold everyone last year. They didn't sell everyone. I was, I was confused. Jerry Reinsdorf wants to move the team out of Chicago. I, it's a tough situation over there in Chicago right now for the south side. And I think they're going to be bad. They're over-under, according to DraftKings, is 63.5. I will be taking the under. Uh, I wasn't even going to look at their over-under and still take the under this year. So I will be doing exactly that. And the next team I'm going to talk about, projected for fourth place in this division, is the Kansas City Royals, another team that was quite bad last year. They got last place. They were 56-106 and 106 last year. They're Pythagorean win-loss was 64 and 98 so they probably got a little unlucky in some of their outcomes but 64 and 98 would have gotten them up to fourth in that division instead of fifth so you know they can hang their head on their on their pythag and if you don't know the pythagorean i've talked about it win-loss basically based on uh, runs scored versus runs against, like what your record theoretically should look like based on those two 
metrics again. Not a perfect stat, but gives you somewhat of a like, did this team get unlucky in their outcomes? Were they really good at winning run-run games? That sort of thing. Mariners fun differential, you know, their Pythag was was way lower than they won that year uh, for obvious reasons. Kansas City Royals, their farm ranking is 25th. That's real bad. They don't have that many good prospects. At least they don't have that many top, top prospects. They're projected in 2024 by Pakoda to go 70 and 92, and by Zips, 76 and 86. So Zips likes them a lot more than uh, Pakoda does. That's interesting. Like a a difference of six wins in the projections is sneaky a lot. I don't especially know why. I don't I don't hate this. I'll be honest. I just looking at this team, I don't I don't hate this team like at all. They have one of the premier young stars in the game today in Bobby Witt Jr. I think they genuinely had a pretty decent offseason for where they're at as a team right now. I mean the free agents that they lost is not – there's no one pivotal that they lost. I mean, they lost Zach Greinke. That's sad. He's great. He's just a, a human being-wise. I love him. Like, they lost Amir Garrett to free agency, Matt Duffy, Hunter Dozier, Brad Keller, Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, these are not needle movers. And they brought in some, some pretty fine major league players. They brought in Seth Lugo, who – We'll throw a lot of starts for them this year. Michael Waka, similar. Uh, Hunter Renfro, he'll he'll slot right into their right field on opening day. Chris Stratton and Will Smith, two relief pitchers who I don't think are that bad. Uh, Chris Stratton has been pretty solid the past few years. And Will Smith also been fine. They also brought in Garrett Hampson, just a classic utility little, little scamp who can play a lot of positions and is quick. He's at the Rockies for a little while. And Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier, who I don't know how much Adam Frazier... I don't know if Adam Frazier's going to start on opening day. I don't know what the vibes are there for him. Because I feel like this guy, Michael Massey, is going to start at second base. That was the one signing where it's like, I don't especially know why they signed Adam Frazier. Because Michael Massey is a left-handed hitting contact oriented second baseman and they signed Garrett Hampson who's a right-handed hitting contact oriented like infielder uh, but they have Adam Frazier now I guess um, uh, uh, just cuz why not I those signings are fine like they needed pitching I like the Seth Lugo and Michael Waka signing Michael Waka is at the age where he's ready to fall off a cliff at any moment. But he's been sneaky, very solid the past couple of years as he ages. Uh, and Seth Lugo, I think, is just a very run-of-the-mill, fine starting pitcher. I don't really think he's anything to, to write home about. But I do think he's good enough for this Royals team and to be a back-of-the-roto starter for most teams in the league right now. Uh, had a really solid year. Uh, with the Padres last year, I'm I'm actually surprised like a better team didn't try to sign him. He had a pretty solid year. Like if if a contending team signed Seth Lugo and was like he's going to be our five starter, that's a kick ass five starter. But he's on the Royals, and I don't hate this Royals rotation. Cole Reagans, 
at the at the ace spot, Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, Brady Singer, and Jordan Lyles, the king of eating innings, Jordan Lyles. I like the upside. There's a lot of upside in this rotation. I think Brady Singer, I mean, the Royals have not been able to produce pitching. And Brady Singer is the closest they can get to producing a good starting pitcher, I think. He's been, over the past, what, I think four years he's been in the league, three years. I think he's been pretty bang average. Had a really tough year last year after a really encouraging 2022, but I still think there's plenty of upside in his pitching. I just, uh, I think, I mean, Cole Reagan's, Cole Reagan's is my is my X factor for this team. It's not Bobby Witt. I think we kind of know what Bobby Witt is at this point. I like Cole Reagan's. There's a lot of hype around him this year. That's one of my big questions is is uh, is can Cole Reagan's live up to the hype that is around him right now? He's and I. I guess I say this. The hype I'm referring to is not super baseball wide. He just was so good after getting traded uh, in the in the Aroldis Chapman trade with the Rangers. He got traded to the Royals and was dynamite. Absolutely cold on the mound for the Royals after he left the Rangers. I mean, just listen listen to these these splits on the Rangers last year. He threw 24 and a third innings with a 5.92 ERA. Gets traded to the Royals. Throws 71 and two thirds innings with a 2.64 ERA. It's good for a 168 WRC plus. It's that's a good enough sample for me to, and for most people to be like, yeah, that that is a really legitimately good run. He just looked impressive. Like if you watched him, he was just cooking. Like he struck out. Over 11 batters per nine. He kept his walks down to about three per nine. He was not really giving up hard contact. He wasn't in the business of allowing base runners. Like, his peripherals look basically not the same, but very similar to his ERA. I think his FIP's even lower than that ERA that I said. So, he's poised to have a really big year. I think that's why he's the X Factor. I think if he is an ace-like pitcher for this team, I genuinely think... They could mix it up in this really poor division. I don't I don't think playoffs, but I feel like the Bakota projection of 70 wins versus the Fangrass of 76, I think Cole Reagan's being an ace propels them to the higher 70s, like to, closer to the Fangrass odds than if he's just like a league average pitcher, which I think pushes them more to the Bakota odds. And that's why he's the X Factor. But... They're pitching. I just I like the I like the starting vibe. I don't know about the depth per se here. I'm not like I don't think they have a lot of proven major league depth after those five, which is where I kind of worry here. I think that is going to be the pitfall of this pitching staff. Like I think the the bullpen is perfectly fine. Uh, it's like yeah, I don't think it's going to be good. Like they acquired Nick Anderson this year from the Braves. I think he'll. He'll work a lot out of that bullpen. They uh, traded for John Schreiber, uh, who was on the Mariners, I think just in a triple A. Like Chris Stratton, I think, is a fine reliever. Again, Will Smith, a fine reliever. James MacArthur is uh, a good reliever, actually. I I think just the pitching depth might be what kind of does them, does them in from being a good team this year uh, from a pitching perspective. 
And then if we want to flip it around and talk about the offense for a second, uh, I will say, actually, I will just say about James MacArthur, who's expected to be their closer. I do actually really like watching James MacArthur. I don't think the national media... Uh, realizes how how good he was making after making his debut for the Royals last year. He was very good, uh, and I feel like he's going to be a pretty solid closing option with like Will Smith uh, in the back of that bullpen. But moving on, moving on to the offense. Let's hit on the offense. I think this is this might be where this team falters. This offense, man, I. It projects to be MJ Melendez in left field, Bobby Witt at shortstop, Salvador Perez, catcher, Vinny Pascatino, first base, Hunter Renfro at right, Michael Massey in second base, Nelson Velasquez at DH, Kyle Isbell at center field, and Mako Garcia at third base. That is what their projected opening day lineup looks like. So it's just, it's not, it's not very good. You know, it, that's my hard-hitting analysis here. I think you have a superstar in Bobby Witt. I think he showed last year why he's so special, like just an elite power-speed combo. I think his fielding looked fine last year. Like the eye test-wise, it looked like it improved from the year before. I think he's still projected to be a just like average to below average fielder. And if he can – that's one of my big questions. Does he take a defensive step? This year, if he takes a defensive step and becomes an above-average shortstop with those offensive numbers, you're looking at a top 20 player in the league. If he can produce defensively and even just put up identical offensive numbers as he did last year, I think that'd be huge. Uh, I think there's he's not the problem with with this offense. I think you're looking hopefully for like guys like Michael Massey and. Kyle Isbell and I don't know Drew Waters, Nelson Velasquez, these younger these younger bats. You're looking for those guys to click. I just don't see it. I just don't really see it at all. I really like Vinny Pascantino. He missed most of the year last year. I don't know exactly what his injury status is right now. I think I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day. To be honest, I just don't think so. I don't know why they'd push him. Uh, but I really like him. I really like his profile at first base. Salvador Perez, at this point, I just feel I feel like we... I don't know. Am I, I don't know what you're going to get from Salvador Perez in 2024. He was not a good player last year. He's, he still managed to wall up 23 home runs, but... I just don't. I, there's no reason to think he's going to get any better. I mean, he was awful defensively last year. He st- does still doesn't really walk. He's never really walked. Uh, and if he's not hitting for elite power and also not walking and striking out around league average, that's just not a very good bat to have in your lineup. Especially considering that he's like 34. I just think. I don't even I don't even think they should really start him behind the plate. I feel like they gotta they gotta give Freddie Fermin some run behind the plate this year in lieu of Salvador Perez. I mean Freddie Fermin played about half the season last year and I think I think they should I think they'll start Salvador Perez on opening day a catcher. I just think Freddie Fermin is gonna take the bulk of that role this year. As he should. I don't think if you're a serious team you should be starting Salvador Perez in the lineup. In 2024, 
Uh, maybe in DH because they don't have a clear DH. I think DH could be a home for him because uh, they don't have a clear DH. And then other offensive guys, like uh, the only other guy, like Mikel Garcia, who is absolutely elite at third base last year defensively. I don't really see a whole lot of progress in the bat. I did like, I did like he profiles as a hit first, like a hit tool, higher average, less slug third baseman who's really good at defense. And I'm just, I just think the the ceiling on that type of player is capped at like league average production, unless he can tap into some power somehow or hit for really high average i don't or like or i think the only other way he could really really be something offensively is if he starts drawing a lot of walks but again i don't see that really really happening and that is their offense i I, mj melendez i'm disappointed in i just don't i don't see it with him or his offensive game either hunter renfer we kind of know what he is i just there's not a lot of excitement in this offense outside of bobby witt and then Vinny Pascantino just getting on base, power, first base. Like, I think Vinny Pascantino, I really like him. Uh, he, he, I think he's of the, the Max Muncy mold of a first baseman who I think can have a really nice above-average walk rate with above-average power while not striking out very much. Uh, he was kind of a unicorn in 2022 at his rookie year. I think his... Walk rate was just barely higher than a strikeout rate. Like, that's pretty crazy. That's a very valuable player. Uh, and I think he's going to be a valuable player for them. I just don't think he's going to play the full year because of that injury. Uh, and I, I don't think that's enough to really make this team good. So, uh, any other key questions? Like, again, long term, I think, what's the plan? There's not very many prospects. There, you have a couple, you have one superstar, and then you have a Vinny Pascantino. And then after that, I don't know what else you have offensively with this team. Like Cole Reagans looks good, but then you filled your rotation with older guys who I don't hate. Again, I kind of like the rotation for this year. But going forward, I mean, you're not going to get Michael Walker and Seth Lugo and Jordan Lyles to pitch well for you next year or the year after. You got Cole Reagans and Brady Singer for that. And then I don't know. I don't know what the plan is long term because – you heard me earlier say their farm ranking is 25th. Like, that's not good. Uh, Keith Law actually wrote that he does kind of like their system. Like, they, I think they have a decent amount of guys who project to be, uh, like, league average players, which is good. I, It's hard to even produce league average baseball players from prospects. It's very hard. So if you have a system that produces a bunch of league average guys, sure, uh, but given that info, are the Royals next season going to go on a spending spree in free agency to round out this team around some of their young, promising guys? I just don't. I don't know. That I feel like that kind of would have been this off season. Like they could sign not Matt Chapman, but like Cody Bellinger. Why not? Just screw it. Like screw it, man. Sign Cody Bellinger. I don't know if that really makes them, again, a contending, or not even contending. I don't know if that makes them a good team, even a 500 team, but they're at a point where I don't know, and they're not even there's not even that many good trade chips on this team. Like I would say normally a team like this, who is probably a couple more core pieces away from really seriously considering contention, 
would have some other guys to trade. I think Salvador Perez, again, is a little over the hill and probably not good enough to really entice in a trade anymore. Like, you just signed Seth Lugo. If he's really good this year, do you try to trade him at the deadline for something? Same with Michael Waka. Or, or even Chris Stratton, if he's really good out of the bullpen for them, do you, do you offload him for prospects who are close to MLB ready? Do they think Seth Lugo is going to be on the team for three years like they signed him for? I don't know. I I don't hate some of the players on this team. I just don't see the, the direction at all. Uh, and, and given that, what is their over-under? It's 73.5, which is... That is tough. You know, I'm going to take the over. I think they win like 75 games. I I think it's just because I like Cole Reagans, and I feel like they're going to get enough solid innings out of the rotation this year to win 75 ball games, which is not very many. But I think they're better than the White Sox. So that's, that's something. You know, you're better than the White Sox. But we're moving on. We're moving on to the three more interesting teams in this in this preview. So let's talk about the Detroit Tigers, who I feel like are a lot of people's popular dark horse playoff pick this year. And I think I think it's it's part due just to their performance in the second half last year, I think. There are a lot of encouraging performances from the team last year, and I think there's a lot of interesting, fun, young players on this team that you could, you know, convince yourself that, like, hey, they could have a really good year and propel this team to to new heights. Like, I, I, I have some pause looking at some of these players, but I think this is a pretty solid team as as currently constructed, I think. The rebuild has gone fairly well. I think they have some sort of core of players here with a couple more guys on the way. Uh, but let's just get into what their projections say. And and they got second in the division last year. They placed over the Guardians. They went 70 and 84 uh, in a valiant effort in the second half to take the silver medal in this boisterous division of the AL Central. They did have a Pythagorean record of 73 and 89, however, so maybe, you know, maybe they won some more games last year than they should have, but that's that's okay. And this season, Pakoda's projecting them to go 75 and 87, and the Fangraphs odds uh, from Zips are projecting them to go 80 and 82. So Fangraphs has them being around a 500 team, which not to spoil the next team, but uh, they're also projecting the Guardians to be around the same spot. So it's really interesting uh, the makeup of this team compared to, let's even just say the Guardians. I think there's a lot more projectability. There's a lot of there's so much upside in this team. I think, and I think it just comes down to their their number one starting pitcher on the depth chart, and then a couple of their young hitters who clicked last year. Uh, one of them being their top projected F WAR player in 2024 Riley Green I think Riley Green really interesting prospect I think he has had a fine start to his MLB career he's been he's been a little hurt got hurt last year he played I think played about half half of the season last year I think I think he's good offensively he made strides like 
He very much looked a lot better than he did as a rookie. Uh, and as a rookie, he didn't even look that bad. But last year, he put up a uh, 119 WRC+. plus. I mean, his OPS was in the 700s all year. Uh, 2.3 war last year, and they're projecting Fangraphs is for him to build on that a little bit more this year and hopefully play a full season in... I think he'll play right field. They're projecting Parker Meadows to play a lot of center field for them this year and Riley Green to shift a lot more to uh, to right, which makes a lot of sense in my mind. I think Riley Green wasn't a really, really solid center fielder. I think he can play it. I think it's valuable he can play center field. Uh, but right field is probably the better place for him at this moment in time. Uh, and I think his bat plays. I just think he has really good bat-to-ball skills. Just really, it just seems like a very well-rounded type of player. I wouldn't say five-tool. I don't know if I'm going to say five-tool because he's not especially like, he's not a huge speedster and he's not like an overwhelming power bat. I feel like he just kind of does everything well, but his hit tool is what shines. And he, to go along with the Torque Daddy, Spencer Torkelson, in like the two and three spot of this lineup, I think is really fun. I think it's very fun. Spencer Torkelson had a a very, very bad rookie year in 2022. And then last year he comes out and you can see some improvements in the first half of the year. And then all this the second half, he was he was raking in the second half of last year. He just looked like the Torkelson he was drafted because he got drafted by the Tigers. I want to, I think he, what, he get picked. I think he was, no, he was 1 1. He was drafted 1 1. And it was, he was billed as like, this is a generational hitter. Like his, he has 70 grade raw power with a really good feel for the play like he's not just a strikeout guy he's going to strike out a decent amount but he can draw walks good bat to ball skills and insane raw power and we saw that in the second half last year we saw what he can do i think he hit like 19 home runs in in 70 games in the second half last year or something like that and i think he's he's a potential 40 50 home run guy at first base, he hit 31 last year in 159 games. It's a full season. I think he can reach the 40 mark this year. I think that is not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I think even if he puts up another 30 home run season and just kind of does that, that's super solid. Uh, he was like genuinely one of the best college hitters of the past of this century. Even I'll say he was an absurdly good college hitter. So. Uh, really fun to see him kind of start to put it together at the second half of last year. And he wasn't he wasn't that bad in the first half. He just really, really started in the second half. And I think I think it's him and Riley Green and then Kerry Carpenter, who I really like, who had a really solid year last year. Uh, and then Parker Meadows, another young guy who's going to play center field, who, no, it's not Austin Meadows, but the Tigers have to have a Meadows on their team at all times, all right? He made his debut last year. I don't. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him besides he's going to be their everyday center fielder. I think he's a good speed, a decent speed threat with a, with a good hit tool, and he walks a lot. So uh, I think he projects to be, or Fangrass is saying, he's going to be hitting leadoff with Riley Green and Torkelson right behind him, and then Kerry Carpenter in the four hole. And then Mark Canna, they 
uh, traded for Mark Canna this offseason from the Brewers, and we know what Mark Canna is. He just he's kind of a solid everyday player, gets on base. He's I think I think he's earned the title uh, professional hitter. I think we can we can put that on Mark Canna at this point. And then after this, I think Colt Keith is projected to be their starting second baseman. Colt Keith, that name sounds familiar. He is, uh, is he their top prospect? I want to say, no, he's not. He's their number three overall prospect uh, in a good system, in a very good system right now. Uh, But he just got paid. He just got a a big contract before he made his debut, uh, which shows the, the confidence that they have in him. And I think he's going to be their their second baseman, or at least Fangraph thinks he's going to be their second baseman on opening day. And he, if you thought Torkelson had raw power, he Cole Keith might rival him in the in the big boy department. Uh, he has true seventy grade raw power. I don't think he's a very good like infielder. I feel like second base is perfect for him. I think he, they can hide him at second base. And even even throw him at DH, I think might be his future. But he he is a powerful bat in that. And if he is, I don't even know. I he's not my uh, he's not my X factor for this team. But boy, if if he clicks this year, I think I think this Tigers offense could be fun. Like I like this Tigers team. I, I'm talking myself into the Tigers winning this division. I don't know if I'm going to say it, but. They're fun. I, I'm kind of I'm a sucker for teams that are young like this because this is how I like to build teams in video games. Just stack the um, as many young players as you can and and hope that they all hit. And that's obviously not like it goes in real life. But this offense is tantalizing if all these guys uh, if all these guys can make a stride this year. Um, Javi Baez still exists. Jake Rogers is uh, projected to be their catcher, who I think Jake Rogers uh, projects to be a perfectly fine catcher. I think he's a really solid defensive catcher. Uh, I don't know, really, if his bat is any good. I don't think it's very good at all. Uh, But I think he's a solid uh, defensive option here, and a solid defensive catcher who could be in the nine hole is a valuable player to me. And then, again, yeah, Javi Baez is here, and then I talked about it briefly earlier. They just signed Gio Urshela. I think third base was their biggest hole on the team that they kind of needed to fill, and it seemed like they were just going to let it let it fizzle into, like, a Zach McKinstry, uh, Matt Vreeling platoon, kind of, at third base. And now it seems like Gio Rochelle is probably going to be their full-time third baseman. I'm sure McKendry and Vreeling will both see time there. But I think signing Rochelle is a really good piece because you push Vreeling into a full-time utility role where I think that's his best role. That's what he did for the Phillies and what he's going to do, again, for the Tigers. Uh, I think they have, they have a lot of options in this lineup to shift things around in terms of uh, positions, especially with Colt Keith coming up as not – a great fielder at second base. Uh, they have Kerry Carpenter at DH theoretically right now, but Kerry Carpenter can play the corner outfield spots. Mark Cannon can play first base. Kerry Carpenter, or not Kerry Carpenter, uh, Colt Keith can DH. I think he can also play third. Drew Rochella can play some infield positions. Matt Reeling can play outfield, infield. Same with Zach McKinstry and Andy Abanez. I think there's a lot of different options they could they could do with this with this current lineup right now uh, and I think 
I think uh, even even like they have Jace Young, which is Josh Young's young Josh Young's younger brother, Josh Younger's brother. No, and he's also like a middle infielder, and he's a second baseman. So they have options. I think they have plenty of good infield options here. And uh, that I'm, I'll stop. I'll stop gushing about their offense because I just I just like projecting really good seasons on young players. But my X factor for the 2024 Detroit Tigers, as we talk about their pitching, is Tariq Skubal. Talk about hype coming into the year. There is Cy Young hype for Tariq Skubal. I don't think it's entirely unwarranted, uh, but he is amongst the f- the favorites. I think in the top ten and the back half of the top 10 to win the Cy Young in the American league. Uh, and I, you know, he came, he was hurt last year, came back and threw 80 innings of insanely good ball. He threw 80 innings, 80 in the third innings, 2.8 year array of the two FIP 3.3 war in 15 starts, 33% K rate to a four and a half percent walk rate. That's insane. He was so good. Uh, and I, I talked about him in the season preview because he was really good in 2022 after coming up in 2020 tough. And then 2021 is year you saw some flashes of like, Oh, this guy's stuff looks really good, but he wasn't an amazing pitcher yet. He was still so young. Uh, 2022, he comes out, he throws 117 innings of 3.5 ERA, 2.9 war. And then last year he puts up, those numbers I said in half a season, like that's crazy. I think, I think the hype is real. Uh, I think that's why he is my X factor. I think if he is what the projections think he is and what the consensus of like, if he's a Cy Young candidate, I think this team could do things genuinely because it gets into their free agent signings this year, past you or they weren't super active, but they signed Kent Maeda, Jack Flaherty, Andrew Chafin, and Shelby Miller. Uh, the last two, Chafin and Miller, will pitch out of the bullpen for sure. I can't tell you what Shelby Miller is going to be in 2024, uh, but I really like Andrew Chafin as a lefty option out of the pen. But Kent Maeda has just been a solid pitcher for years now. Uh, really fine for the Twins last year. I think he's a perfectly good 3-4-5 starter right now. Uh, and I think that was a very prudent signing by the Tigers who just needed some innings. And then Jack Flaherty, I also think is just a really good signing for a team like this, where I don't know if there's a lot of expectations on this team to be really good. And there's not a lot of expectations on Jack Flaherty to be really good, but the upside I think for him is still there. He is boy. He's been a weird pitcher a lot the past couple years. And last year was last year was ugly. I, I got to be honest. Last year, he, I mean, he was walking what felt like eight batters a start. I mean, it it worked out in the end to be only four per nine, which is still a lot for a starter, and five and a half in 2022. But he was still striking guys out at a decent clip along with that. So I think there's, I think there's enough upside for for me to be like, oh, there could be something here. Matt Manning, don't know what to make of him right now. Uh, I, I genuinely don't know what to make of Matt Manning. And then Reese Olsen. Reese Olsen, I want to put on your radar if you don't know who Reese Olsen is. He came up last year in the latter half of 2023. Threw about 100 innings, so he threw about half a season. 
He looked so nasty. His numbers were good. He, he's a three nine nine ERA with a three no four point zero one FIP in eighteen starts, about a hundred innings. But he eye test wise for me, he looked sick. Uh, he his slider and his changeup are nasty. If he's locating his fastball. He just has a really good mix for a starting pitcher. I think he has four legitimately good major league pitches with a really elite changeup slider. And I think he's going to be a really pivotal pitcher for them this year. And he just had he had a really good uh, September. And September, just looking at his splits, because I watched him at the latter half of last year, and I was like, this is the greatest pitcher on earth. In September, 31 in the third innings with a 1.44 ERA. He was he was nasty to finish the year, and I think there's reason to believe he'll carry some of that over into this year. Uh, and I'm excited to watch him pitch. And then you get into the bullpen, and I just read names on this bullpen, and I kind of like it: Alex Lang, Jason Foley, Will Vest, Andrew Chafin. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's amazing bullpen. I don't think there's a pure like. Mm, I shouldn't say that. Alex Lang is filthy. I as they're as they're slotted in opening day closer Alex Lang is is pretty filthy he's a classic fastball slider guy um he put some velo on his on his fouls pitches last year he looked really solid and then like just a, a fine supporting cast around him Will Vest and Jason Foley I think are two very solid uh bullpen options and then Chafin Miller Tyler Holton Joey Wentz I think those are those are fine guys to soak up innings into the bullpen I, as I'm talking, I'm like talking myself into this this Tigers team. Uh, I do the, I do see some thinness in this entire team. I, I think the depth is not very good here. I think you have a lot of really solid young guys who, again, you can project away and be like, yeah, if if they really take another step in development, they could be really good. But then. If those guys are not playing, I just there's not a lot of guys behind them that I really trust too much to take up the mantle and be okay. Like you have the bench guys like Reeling McKinstry, Andy Abanez, and then you have like Dylan Dingler, Justin Henry Malloy, Akil Badu. Just like not great depth offensively. And then pitching depth. I think you have one really interesting pitching depth arm. Casey Mize. What is Casey Mize? What is he? He intrigues me. The concept of Casey Mize intrigues me greatly. What is he? I I just don't know. I don't think I don't think even the Tigers know at this point. And that's not I mean it's not necessarily the Tigers' fault. Uh, another former one one pick, I think in the 20, ooh, 2019, 2018 draft. Uh really good twenty twenty one. Really solid campaign there, and like, oh man, this guy's looking up. Bam, Tommy John surgery last year or in twenty twenty two. Didn't pitch at all last year either. Uh, and I th- I don't know if he's going to be ready 100% for opening day. Luckily, they signed some pitchers, so they don't absolutely need him to be ready uh, in opening day. I don't. I'm trying to look like right now. Uh, Tigers haven't discussed any specific workload restrictions on mines for spring training or the regular season as he returns from Tommy John surgery. I just think they probably won't rush him. Uh, and... Honestly, I mean, if he, let's just say like Jack Flaherty is a 
calamity. If they have Casey Mize step in, and if he's anything close to kind of what he was in 2021, I think that's a W for this Tigers team. It then after that, it just gets dicey. I think injuries to this pitching staff, injury an injury to Tarek Skubal might just take this team down completely. Uh, but oh, I'll move on. I'll move on. I have two more teams to talk about, but I like this Tigers team. And then the key questions for this team I have: Can the youth take another step forward? Again, you know, can they just keep developing? Uh, my next question is a 2023 second half torque output, something we can expect all year. I talked about this. If he if he is second half 2023 Spencer Torkelson for all of the 2024 season, look out. That's a really good first baseman. Uh, are Jace Young and Colt Keith the starting second and third base by the All-Star break? This was pre-Gio Urshela signing when I was like, I don't know what they're doing at third base. Second base is still a question mark too. Is Cole Keith going to be good enough to play third base over Gio Urshela or Matt Vreeling? And is Jace Young going to be accelerated enough in his prospect life to be called up to play second base by the Ulster break? I don't know. That would be interesting. It, it'd really be interesting. And then my next question was, the concept of Casey Mize intrigues me, but what is he in 2024? Uh, I already talked about that. Those are my questions for the Detroit Tigers. I like this team. Now, what is their over-under? 80 and a half. Oh, man. 80 and a half. That's brutal. Oh, God. Um, oh, geez. I have to make a decision. 80 and a half. 80 and a half. 80 and a half. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go under, I'm going to go under. I, I, as much as I just said, I really like this team. I'm going to go under 80 and a half. I, I think, I think this team wins like 78, 79 games, even 80. I, I just feel like there's no way their pitching staff can stay healthy all year. And I don't see if like, if Scooble gets hurt or even if like Kenta Maeda gets hurt and he's like 38, I think it's trouble. I think it's trouble. Uh, but I do think this team is going to be fun to watch. I think tune into this team when Scooble is starting uh, and just watch their young offensive bats. And, um, I think Detroit has the Detroit Tigers fans. I think you have a lot to look up to, not just you're in kind of a weak division. Always the farm looks good. There's plenty of guys ready to keep making their debuts after you had this kind of wave of young guys. The past couple of years come up, you have another wave coming, uh, and you have a potential Cy Young candidate in Derek Scooble. There's a lot to look up to here. So Tigers are cooking something. But moving on to the fourth team to talk about in the AL Central Division, the Cleveland Guardians. After a very disappointing 2023, the Guardians look to get back on track this year. Really just not a good year last year at all. Uh, They missed power in their lineup completely. They just weren't good. They just weren't good. I think a lot of people like myself really liked them going into the year, and they were just bad. They went 76 and 86. Their Pythag was 77 and 85. Like, that's just not a very good team. Again, they got third. The Tigers passed them. Uh, their current farm ranking is 22nd, according to Keith Law, which is fine. I think a lot of their best prospects are either been traded away or made their debuts already. Uh, and then a couple of them I will talk about are going to make their debuts this year. So I think there's poised, like, their farm system is, is 
thin, but I think it's it's also it's an organization I trust to continue developing pitching really well and just uh, contact oriented hitters uh, who are really good with the bat. I think they just have their thing that they do and they're good at it. And Pakoda is projecting them to go 83 and 79 about, and then Fangraphs uh, 81 and 81 bang average from Zips. So the general consensus between those two systems of this team is by the computer standards mediocre mid uh, which is not at all surprising in very Cleveland fashion they signed one free agent and that is Austin Hedges and they lost a decent amount of guys to free agency actually Giolito who they traded Ronaldo Lopez uh, I mean they traded four uh, Zach Plesak, Eric Haas, Cole Calhoun, Mike Zanino, Noah Syndergaard, and Cam Gallagher, they all lost to free agency, but some of those positions will be, you know, filled. I would say the biggest loss out of those is Ronaldo Lopez and Zach Plesak, but I think those positions will be, will be filled accordingly. And looking at this team... I like them a lot more than the projections say. Like, I feel like... I like them closer to what the computers are saying the Twins are going to be. Like, I like this team. Positionally, I think all of their positions are kind of ironed out. I don't I don't know if there's a strict, like, positional battle anywhere on this team. I'm just looking at it. Like, you have, like, first base is probably the only spot otherwise i think they're going to hand the reins over to their young guys so what's important to this team is a healthy jose ramirez uh, and just running through their lineup here steven kwan is projected to be uh their leadoff hitter in left field uh and then second andres jimenez is batting second at second base projected to have another really good season one of the better second basemen currently in the game right now Jose Ramirez at third base. We know him. We love him. He's projected in their three-hole and projected to be their most valuable wins or F4 player this year with 5.2. Josh Naylor projected to be their starting DH. Bo Naylor, the brother, is projected to be their starting catcher. Ramon Laureano in right field. Miles Straw in center field. And then these are the two rookies who I think could really make or break this team this year. Kyle Manzardo at first base, who they got in a trade from the Rays last year. Uh, what man? What trade was that? What trade was Kyle Manzardo? But the, it's 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 on the it's on the tip of my tongue. I just had to pause to look it up. It was the Aaron Savali trade to the to the Rays, and then also I didn't realize Kyle Manzardo went to Washington State University. He's a Cougar. Did not know that. But Kyle Manzardo really just uh, looks – he is apparently a 70-grade hit tool in the first base spot. He doesn't profile as a traditional, like, thumper at first base. I think he's he profiles as just a solid hit tool guy in first base. I think he has walked a lot and limited strikeouts really well in the minors. Uh, with some power, but not a lot. And I think he projects to be like a guy who is a a good hitter with a really good on-base percentage at first base, uh, which I think is cool and valuable. But 
and it just sounds like a freaking Cleveland Guardians first baseman, if you ask me. It sounds like the complete mold they're looking for. Uh, and so Fangraphs has him as their opening day first baseman rookie. I don't think that's that's wrong. Uh, I just think that's one of the interesting variables of this team this year. And then at shortstop, my 2024 Cleveland Guardians X-Factor, Brian Rocchio. Yes, I'm putting the X-Factor label on Brian Rocchio, a rookie who played in September last year. He played a couple games for them last year, looked real bad. Uh, But very small sample. Stop me if you've heard this before. A really hit tool-oriented defensive player on the Cleveland baseball team. I think he's a really good hit tool. I think he is projected to be a really good uh, shortstop defensively. I think given where this team's at, I think you kind of know where most of the offensive production is going to come from. It's going to come from Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, and Andres Jimenez. And then with some bops here and there from Bo Naylor and uh, uh, Josh Naylor. And then at the back half of this lineup, if Brian Rocchio is is hitting for good average and getting on base at the back of this lineup and playing really good shortstop defense all year and stealing bases like he did in the minors, this team could win the division pretty handedly, I feel like. If, if Brian Rocchio pops and just is that guy... I think the division is well in hand for them. I think it could be a really annoying, annoying offense to play. And that's why Brian Rocchio is my X factor for this team. And that is the offense. I think there's plenty of good stuff about this offense. I think the the one, two, three in the order is really good. Quan Jimenez and Ramirez after that. I think there's legitimate question marks. Uh, and young reliance on on or reliance on young guys, but I don't know, man. I think it. I don't just looking at the lineup. I kind of like it, uh, but looking at the pitching and rotation, this is generally where this team shines outside of hitting singles. The rotation just looks solid. The big big question here: Shane Bieber is their ace. Will they trade Shane Bieber? That is my biggest, that's the biggest question on my mind right now. Shane Bieber has a free agent. He's a free agent after this season, I think. It's either he's a free agent after this season or a free agent after 2025. Either way, through arbitration or free agency, the Guardians would have to pay him a decent amount of money at the at this year and next year. And there's a lot of trade talk for Shane Bieber. A lot of trade talk. And I think, honestly, they'll probably trade him. My big question, is Shane Bieber on this team after August 1st? I don't know. He's projected to be their ace. He's projected to for 3.4 F war for them this year over a full season probably. Do they trade him? That's I think that's the biggest question they're going to have to answer as this season rolls on. What do you do with Shane Bieber? After Shane Bieber, you have Tristan McKenzie, Tanner Bybee, Logan Allen, and Gavin Williams. That is a 
good collection of young pitchers with Xavion Curry and like Hunter Gaddis and Joey Cantillo right behind them uh, with depth. I ha- and like uh, they signed Adam Aller, like Jaime Berea. I am not worried about the pitching depth on this team, to be quite honest. I'm not really worried about it at all. Especially because I think just uh, the Guardians as a team, as I said, they can get pitching depth from thin air, it feels like. Uh, I think that top-down is just a really good rotation. I think plenty. there's so much upside with like Bybee and Gavin Williams, and even Tristan McKenzie still, I think there's plenty of upside there. If Gavin Williams, like Bybee, Allen, and Williams as your 3, 4, and 5 are all guys with very little MLB service time, but a lot of projectability into being really good pitchers, I think this is the highest variance team in this division. Like I could see them having a year like last year where maybe stuff doesn't click for these guys and they win 76 games again, but... I can also see where they have the best rotation in the division, and Brian Rocchio and Cal Manzardo are decent offensive players enough to support the top guys at the top of the lineup, and they win the division with 90 games. I can totally see that. Because then you get to the bullpen, and you have Emmanuel Classe, who last year still had a really good year. He didn't have his usual insanity type of year that we saw in like 2021 and 2022. But still a really good year out of him, and I still think there's plenty of reason to project him to have another similar type, just really solid year as their closer. They traded for Scott Barlow this offseason to get from the Padres, who I think is a – like Scott Barlow and Emmanuel Classe as your, as your one-two at the back of that bullpen, really, really nice. Sam, Hed- Sam Henches as well. Trevor Steffen, Nick Sandlin, Eli Morgan, that psychopath James Karinchak. I think it's going to be another good bullpen for these guys. I think trading for Scott Barlow really just cemented the back of that bullpen really well in a really nice way. And honestly, I man, I like this team. I don't have a whole lot else to say about their players. The key questions I asked... Uh, was the Shane Bieber question, and then what do you get from the young guys? Like I talked about Manzardo and and Rocchio, but um, do you get anything about anything about? Wow, that wasn't the right thing to say. Do you get anything from Daniel Espino, who is a t- their top, still is one of their top prospects, but unfortunately missed all of last year due to injury. Uh, and hasn't yet made his debut. I think he's going to be a part of their their player pool. He's just been so hurt the past couple of years. I don't exactly know what to expect of him, to be honest, but he has a legit elite fastball when he was pitching. Uh, one of the more exciting pitching prospects in all of baseball. It's really unfortunate to see him go down hurt. Do you get anything out of him this year? Uh, George Valera. Uh, one of their hitting younger hitting prospects who has yet to make his his debut. He's a corner outfielder. I think he profiles kind of as just a I don't know. I don't I don't want to say Luke Rayleigh, but like really a lot of upside in game power at the corner outfield spot with a decent amount of strikeouts, uh, but good feel for the plate. Like it'd be a 
He'd be a true three. He'd be a three true outcome guy. Absolutely. Like that's kind of what he looks like right now. Do you get anything out of him this year? Uh, and yeah, like it's, it's just young guys. And then again, the young pitchers like Gavin Williams and Logan Allen. And then Tanner Bybee had a really good rookie year last year. Can Tanner Bybee take a leap to become this team's ace if they trade Shane Bieber? I think that's a legitimate question to ask. And then, uh, another, another one that I hate to ask, but I think it's something you got to think about right now. If you're the guardians is Jose Ramirez on a decline the last i mean he's been for uh, what feels like a decade now a insanely durable and underrated five tool player who has walked consistently really high consistently low strikeout rates consistently stealing 20 plus bags a year with 25 30 plus home runs just an all-around amazing player Jose Ramirez. He took a little bit of a dip last year. He walked about the same. He struck out a little less in 2022. His just offensive output was a little less. He is a year older. He's 31, which theoretically is still a prime, but I'm just I'm just asking provoking questions here. I mean, he he only put up 5.1 war last year. I mean, that is embarrassingly low. No, I'm just kidding. I uh I don't think he's on a decline. I just want another question to ask of this team. And um, again, his his power just dipped last year. Is why I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not super concerned because I feel like if anyone's built to age well, even if the power declines, it's Jose Ramirez just because of how much he gets on base and has such a good feel for the plate and is such a smart base runner. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I just his power dipped. A decent amount last year like that isolated power took a pretty substantial hit especially from 2021 to 2022 to 2023 the isolated power has declined like 100 points well like 80 points that's a decent amount that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying but let's just get in let's not let's not hang our hats on that what are they projected to do what what are what is their over under actually it's 78 and a half i am taking that over are you kidding DraftKings not no ball. 70 and a half is low. Again, I like this team more than projections. I'm smashing the over. 70 and a half. Again, I think this team could win 90 games. I think they I I they have they have some guys that could click, man. I, they do. But we're running we're running we're running a lot of time. I got like 15 more minutes to talk about the projected number one team in this division, the Minnesota Twins, the division winner of last year, who won a playoff series last year. Go Twins. The Twins won 87 games last year, 87 and 75. And their Pythagorean was 93 and 69. So really, you know, they they probably should have won more games. But really, really interesting team to watch last year. Elite rotation. Like, the rotation was dumb last year. It was, it was so good. Uh, I felt that going into the year. And then Pablo Lopez blew me out of the water, blew everyone out of the water. I think the rotation was going to be good. And then you had... Pablo Lopez be a legitimate ace, Cy Young candidate, and that propelled them to, to, to new heights. Uh, but this team going into the offseason, they were about to lose a lot of guys to free agency, and, and they did. They weren't especially active this offseason, but they lost a lot of guys. Uh, they signed a couple of relief pitchers and then also Carlos Santana. 
but they lost Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, Tyler Malley, Emilio Pagan, Joey Gallo, Dylan Floro, Miguel Sano, Mike, excuse me, Michael A. Taylor, Donovan Solano. Those are all, those aren't just losing like minor league free agents, especially those few first few guys I said. Uh, losing Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, and Tyler Malley out of the team last year is a huge blow, to be honest. They somewhat addressed it. They had so many pitchers last year that they could basically say, hey, we're going to lose these guys, but Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, you guys are going to step up. Uh, but that's getting ahead of myself. What are they projected at? Pakoda has them at 89 and 72. 80% chance to make the playoffs, according to Pakoda, and 85 and 77, according to Fangraphs, with a, a more modest 63% to make the playoffs from Fangraphs. Uh, and for good reason. This team looks really good. On paper, uh, a lot of their offensive guys that contributed to their division win last year and their playoff and their playoffs uh, are on the team again offensively. They didn't really lose much offensively. They lost Joey Gallo. Uh, Michael A. Taylor was just playing center field while Byron Buxton was DHing. Uh, Miguel Sano, nah. So they didn't lose much offensively, which is good. I think, and they didn't add much offensively either this offseason. They didn't add really like anything major league wise offensively. In fact, they traded offensively. Uh, but there's internal improvements to be made with so many young guys offensively. It made sense. Like, this wasn't a team that I can be like, they should have been after these big free agents. I think totally they could have signed Cody Bellinger. They still could. That would totally help them. But you just have rising prospects that are going to take up the mantle here at some of these key positions. Uh, and their top F4 projected position player this year is Royce Lewis with a projected 4 F4. He's going to be manning third base. If he's... If he, how many ground slam, how many grand slams does that guy hit this year? I mean, this this offense looks fun as hell, uh, and I'll just run it down here. So, the Fangraphs projected opening day lineup for the Minnesota Twins reads as this: the Frenchman Edouard Julien hitting first, playing second base; Royce Lewis hitting second, playing third base; Byron Buxton hitting third, playing center field; Max Kepler hitting fourth. Playing right field, Carlos Correa. Playing shortstop, hitting fifth, Carlos Santana after him at first. Matt Walner playing left field, hitting seventh. Ryan Jeffers at catcher, hitting eighth. And then to round out the lineup, Alex Kirilov at DH. And I think first base and DH are going to go, are going to be a little in flux here. I think you're going to see a lot of Alex Kirilov at first base instead of Carlos Santana and like Kyle Farmer. At DH, first base, like Jose Miranda at first base, Matt Walner probably DHing a, some amount with Willie Castro playing outfield. Uh, there's, I think there's clear uh, open spots to, to maneuver in this lineup, but I think there's a lot of just like these are the guys. Edward Julian, super interesting player. I really like him. Uh, surprising amount of power out of well not really actually he's kind of a big dude uh, but a lot of power really good on base really good key to on base we saw him in the WCC last year wow no he he does not play in the West Coast Conference for for basketball uh, the WBC we saw him for Team Canada 
We saw a sneak peek of what was to come, and then he played 100 games for the Twins last year, and it was really good. And he can also play a lot of different positions uh, if a certain prospect wants to come up and play second base, whose name is Brooks Lee. Uh, but no, Edward Julian, I think, is a great, great leadoff hitter. I mean, he had a f- almost a 16% walk rate last year, 31% K rate, too. But if he brings the K rate down to league average and everything else kind of stays steady, that's a super valuable player. I can, like, that's why they could afford to trade uh, Jorge Blanco to the Mariners is they have not only Edouard Julien, but again, Brooks Lee, who is their top prospect and trending as potentially an opening day starter on this team. I He, Brooks Lee, if there's a prospect you need to know, he's probably, he's probably the only prospect you need to know on this Minnesota Twins team. You'll be seeing a lot of him this year, I think. There's clear positional blocks for him, I guess, but... I think if he, I don't know if he'll start the year on opening day. I'm, he'd have to like, he'd have to light up uh, spring training. Uh, and I, I, he's coming up as a shortstop, but I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be a shortstop. I think it was Royce Lewis situation where it's like that guy can play third, but now that Royce Lewis is probably their everyday third baseman, I think the logical choice for him is playing second base. And then Edouard Julien, who I just said is going to probably be their opening day second baseman, he can play, again, a lot of different positions. He play, I think he can play corner outfield. He can just DH. I think he can play first base, too. A lot of options there. A lot of options there. But then just going down the line, Royce Lewis, again, just absolutely mashed last year, I think, it's easy to say he's going to be their best hitter this year. That's what he's projected to be. He hit a lot of grand slams last year, but just a insane pop in that bat. We kind of know what Max Kepler is. Uh, we, <laughs> we just kind of know who he is. Uh, the other like younger guys, like Matt Walner, super interesting player. Matt Walner, he can wallop some home runs. Uh, I think he's a perfectly fine man to be in like the sixth or seventh spot in this lineup. Uh Really good, really good year last year. He played about 75 games for them last year. 76, 76. Uh, had a 144 WRC plus, just insane raw power. Clearly, I don't want to call him Joey Gallo, but kind of. Like another just pure three true outcome guy. A huge lefty bat, massive lefty bat. Can really hit home runs, but can also really strike out. Uh, but he's he's a... Just a solid, looks like going to be a solid player for them this year. And then there's Byron Buxton, who is not the X-Factor. I easily could have made him the X-Factor. But why he's not the X-Factor for this team is because we kind of saw what this team and offense looked like last year when he he played about half the year and when Byron Buxton plays half the year you're like oh he was half the year at MVP level no he was half the year at mediocre level in the DH spot last year and this team was still really good so i mean if he returns to MVP level and plays a full year of elite center field and a really good bat and wins the MVP sure like that's going to make them a lot better of a team i just think i'm kind of done with uh conning myself into that experience with Byron Buxton I I think 
if he's just even just a league average player who can play the whole year in center field, that's a win. He just has never been able to play a full season. I just don't want to make him the X factor because that would be making myself too excited to I just don't want to put much expectations for his 2024 in my brain because I don't I don't want to hurt myself again every year we're like oh it's Byron Buxton look at what he can do and every year we get let down so I'm just not going to do it again and we're going to move on to their shortstop who is my x-factor for this team Carlos Correa I think Carlos Correa is the x-factor for a couple different reasons. I, I, I think he was a fine player last year. He, he was fine for the Twins. He was really good in their first year. Last year, yeah, I should actually, you know, you know what? I shouldn't say fine. He was bad last year. His defense was fine. At the plate, poor. For Carlos Correa's standards, it was bad. And it it's weird. Because you look, you look at his numbers... And there's not really a huge glaring issue from 2022 to 2023 in here, to be honest. Like you look at some of the key indicators of like why he did not perform as well at the plate last year. Like he was he hitting the ball less hard? No, he was actually hitting the ball just as hard as he did uh, the previous two years, if not harder. His hard hit percentage was higher than 2021 and 2022. His max exit velocity was right on. On with his usual, he was barreling pitches slightly less in 2022, but very similar to 2021. I just feel like his batted ball outcomes weren't as good for whatever reason. I think he was hitting the ball just as hard, but a little bit more on the ground. He ground into a lot of double plays this year, but theoretically, ground balls produce base hits more than fly balls do on a rate basis. Uh, and his like his average didn't reflect that at all weirdly enough i just don't he was still walking too i i just don't know if he was quite barreling barreling pitches as much and just wasn't i don't know i feel like he just kind of got unlucky the more and more i look at his his numbers the more and more i feel like he just got unlucky his expected numbers are uh, around 30 points higher than his raw numbers. I just feel like there's a better offensive season coming from Carlos Correa in 2024. Defensively, he didn't fall off at all from the previous year. I think he looks still like a pretty solid defender at shortstop. But if he if he has a three, four win seat, he's projected for 3.6 F war. He had 1.1 last year, which kind of tells you, I think the computers probably thought he, Last year was kind of a weird statistical year for him offensively. I just he's the X factor because if he is playing like Carlos, if he's playing like Pete Carlos Correa again, imagine where this team could be. He wasn't Pete Carlos Correa in last year, and look where this offense was. The offense is better around him this year, but imagine if it's better with twenty twenty one Carlos Correa. That would be absolutely crazy. Okay, but. I have to talk about the pitching. I have to talk about the pitching before I get out of here because I'm trying to wrap up soon. But the pitching looks really good. Pablo Lopez, the ace, looks Cy Young poised. Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, they're one, two, three. Really solid one, two, three. And then after that, it's Chris Paddock and Anthony Descofani. Remember, they got Anthony Descofani from the Mariners when they traded Jorge Polanco. 
They also got Justin Topa from the Mariners, a relief pitcher who will probably be just very, very solid for them in the bullpen this year. I think what this pitching staff lacks compared to last year's pitching staff, because it lacks compared to last year's pitching staff. You Again, you lose... You like if even just factoring in just losing Sonny Gray, I think is quite tough to to bear. Uh, so I think they lost some in the pitching. They lost some in the pitching staff, which I think probably there's the offense makes up for the lack of pitching that they lost. for the pitching that they lost. All that to be said, I think there's plenty of. Innings here, I think Anthony Descafani, Chris Paddock, and like Louis Varland and, and Simeon Woods Richardson and like David Festa. I think those are a good mix of guys to throw a lot of innings at the back of this rotation. And I think what makes up for the lack of quality at the back of the rotation is this bullpen. I think this bullpen's gonna be dynamite. They have Yohan Duran, who's probably the best reliever in the game right now. It's at least one of the best. He's absurd. Uh gonna pitch again for them this year as a closer and he's going to throw his 100 mile an hour splinker and goddamn he is so good uh but then they have a lot of other really solid arms like caleb theobar has sneaky been a very solid reliever for the past couple of years they, again they traded for justin topa he's really good last year for the mariners uh steven oker josh stelman again i think solid relief pitchers griffin jacks i think is going to pitch a lot of it a lot of really good innings for them this year out of the bullpen and then brock stewart And I want to say, the national media does not talk about Brock Stewart enough. Why aren't they talking about Brock Stewart? Listen, he's a relief pitcher. I get it. But Brock Stewart, he had a really good year. He had a really good sample last year. It was a very small sample, and he's an older guy. But you just look at the numbers, and it's like, holy God. He pitched 27 and two-thirds innings last year, yes, that's not a big sample size, but screw numbers. He had a .65 ERA with a 2.21 FIP, .9 WAR, and 27 innings pitched out of the bullpen. I mean, he was so good, and I feel like you can probably see a little bit of regression from those raw numbers coming this year, but I think he's going to pitch a lot of volume being in the uh, bullpen at the start of the year, and I think he's going to provide a lot of strikeouts, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, if if not Yohan Duran ruining people from this bullpen, it's going to be Brock Stewart. All right. He came back from an injury last year. It was dynamite. And then I think he's just going to be really good this year. And that is the Twins. Uh, the big questions, again, can Carlos Correa bounce back at the plate? Can the pitching staff survive the loss of Gray, Maeda, and Molly? Byron Buxton, does he reform to does he return to form at the plate as he returns to center field? I think it's a huge question. Does Brooks Lee break camp at starting at second base? Does Brooks Lee just break camp? Does he start? I don't know. It's tough. It's tough doing it this early on. Uh, you know, I have to do a division this early on just with my schedule. So we don't really know what spring training looks like for these teams at all while I do this preview, which is tough, but. Uh, right now, again, Edward Julian is their second baseman, but if Brooks Lee just lights the world on fire in spring training, does he earn breaking camp at the major league level? I would probably lean no, but I think we definitely see a Brooks Lee this year for sure, and that'd be very fun. Now, what is their over-under? It is 86 and a half. 
for these Minnesota Twins. They're projected to go right around there. Pakoda has them going over. I think this is a really good team. I think they have a really nice bullpen, a very solid pitching staff, especially with Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober as their one, two, three. That's just, I really like them. And the bullpen, like I just said, I think the bullpen's going to be great. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over 86.5 for these Twins. Uh, and then for my my divisional choices, again, I have the White Sox going under 63.5, the Royals going over 73.5, the Tigers going under 80.5, the Guardians going over 78.5, and the Twins going over 86.5. I'm gonna I'm gonna go chalk here. It's a boring pick, but part of it is is genuinely because it's still February and I haven't you know it's it's February and I'm feeling a little non exciting right now. I'm not gonna be a contrarian and say the Tigers are gonna win the division. I'm gonna have fun watching the Tigers this year. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I think it's gonna be Twins first, Guardians second, Tigers third, Royals fourth, and White Sox fifth. I'm just going chalk. I'm kind of going what the projections say. I do think, I think Twins, Guardians, Tigers the whole year could be fun. I hope the Tigers hang around enough. Uh, if anything, I think the Guardians could really really make a run against the Twins this year. Uh, but I think the consensus is the Twins are the best team in the division. And I don't really disagree with the computers or what everyone else is saying. I really like the Twins. Um, but the Tigers and the Guardians are there. I think I think if you're one of these teams, I think if you're looking around in the next couple of years, you're looking at the Tigers like, oh, man, that is scary. Like, the Royals have some fun young guys, but, like, I'm not scared of those guys. The Tigers have a lot of interesting young players and theoretically money to spend, you know? Where the Guardians, we know they don't spend money. Uh, the Twins also have plenty of young guys, but there's something about this Tigers team that just gets me gets me going for the future of of that franchise. But well, that is it. That is the first official preview podcast. Hour and a half is about right where all of them were last year, so that makes sense. Appreciate if you're listening this far. I can imagine only the core listeners of the show are even listening to my voice right now. Uh, an hour and a half in, naming random players on these teams that are so far away from Mariners baseball. Who, who really cares about them? I do. Uh, but this is the first one. Again, there will be five more divisional previews and then a Mariners preview. Uh, I think two next week. I think two... The next three weeks, I think it'll be two, two, two for the next three weeks to to round out uh, the recordings of these previews. But appreciate you listening this far if you are. And I I'm not going to leave you with the go Mariners, but this was the AL Central, and I think the next division I'm going to preview is the NL East, and I'll leave you with that, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>